0: Welcome to My Youth on Record, a podcast where artists share the music they created as teens and the stories behind the songs. In this episode of My Youth on Record, our co-hosts, Stevie Selby, Sean Don, and myself, Mona Licious, will talk about our experiences at Denver's first mega music festival, Grand Doozy, And we'll share some of our favorite interviews with other musicians and event participants from the festival. Yeah, Grand Dizzy was pretty cool.
1: I loved it. What did you think, Sean?
2: It was phenomenal. There were so many moments where I was like, yo, I need to step my game up.
0: Yeah, as an artist?
1: Yes, definitely. Yeah, I feel that Like logic and Kendrick Lamar definitely brought it.
2: Hmm. Mona, what did you think was legit?
0: Um... You know, I grew up, I think in middle school, I was super into Phoenix, Mm. so getting to see them and like singing their songs, I'm like the only person that's like flailing around. That was pretty fun. That was like a fangirl moment. I don't have many of those.
1: That's fair. That sounds invigorating.
0: That's awesome. What about you, Stevie?
1: I think that my favorite performance was getting to see Young the Giant. They definitely lit the stage up. And had one of the best performances that I saw at Grand Uzi.
0: Yeah, honestly, it was pretty cool being able to have a booth for my youth on record there. And be able to, like, interview the festival participants. Um, I mean, I wasn't really expecting to run into as many people that I knew. But since we were, like, right at the main entrance, I ran into, like, a bunch of people. Like, a few hours into the festival, I saw my buddy AD from Freedom Movement and the Wandering Monks. And I, like, ran over to him, and I was like, hey, dude, you should totally come speak on this podcast. Um, and I had been telling him about Youth on Record for a little while, so he was super down to come and speak. And being that AD is a wordsmith, I was, like, super stoked to hear his approach on the theme. Um, I mean, not only is he just, like, poetic in his craft, but he's the way he speaks is just super captivating. So...
2: We got to hear what A.D. has to say.
0: What was your relationship to music, you know, 14 to 18?
3: Ooh, Those were strong years. Yeah, that's like formative years, um, those, which was also probably the most tumultuous time in my life. And so it was super impactful because music is like the soundtrack of your life whatever stage you're in whether you're picking the music it's like your parents music and you just think of that time in your life being more influenced before you were sovereign with your decisions and choices um so yeah i mean it was like a soundtrack of this huge significant time in my life that for me personally was transitioning from order out of chaos like just really rough machismo, loss, confusion in the muck, in the grit, to the beginning stages of at least an intentful, conscious, much more peaceful path and walk, so. And I think I'm I'm 44, so let's see, 14 for me is like 1989, so it was just a really unique time I feel like for music because mtv was still just solidifying you know it was like really a music television station and so and you can look at now just how much diversity and the sheer number of artists where it didn't feel like that in the 80s you know the pop the beginnings of edm and um just all the different genres and i think the there was more authenticity, less control from the big upper hands. And so we were seeing, I think, more authentic, diverse groups that I feel like there was more a conglomerate of people connected to what was coming out because there weren't so many musicians. And there was a lot of focus on MTV and the radio. I don't think pop was quite what it is now. You know, pop really was what was popular at the time. Could have been from David Bowie to the 80s, like Michael Jackson was huge, (laughs) you know? So yeah, it was just, it was a really impactful time those years, 89 through my graduation would be 1992. When
0: I was a teenager, uh, the album The Con by Tegan and Sarah was definitely a soundtrack that got me through a rough period. Would you say there was any album that was like the soundtrack of you moving forward or feeling awesome?
3: Yeah, probably lots. For full albums that I listen to. Um, A Nation of Millions by Public Enemy was in the sense of, as a young brown male, I was a foster child, so I was adopted really early in my life and um, just had no lineage education, no cultural education. I was growing up basically fending for myself. And so A Nation of Millions by Public Enemy, which was hip-hop, but it was also education, and self-esteem, character development, empowerment, you know, so it was like just a great conglomerate of things that as a young brown male was one of the first things to give me self-identity, much less a positive visual historical look on yourself.
1: Man, Granduzzi had so many interesting people. Sean, do you remember DJ Selectacy? Dude, I completely remember Selectacy. She was so awesome. We talked about so much from, like, entrepreneurship to DJ tips to music and hip-hop and reggae. What do you think your favorite part was about that interview?
2: For me, it was when she was talking about her upbringing because so many people have... Uh, a typical story about high school and hers just it brought me to another world you know like something that I feel um my mom could relate to or a lot of folks who just have some challenges you know it was it wasn't the typical story yeah yeah definitely we should listen
4: um, I, you know, I grew up in a very entrepreneurial family. My my mom was an entrepreneur. And my brothers all kind of had the spirit, and so yeah. um, I, I had that influence around me for a long time. And um, when I actually when I started Ultrasound Magazine, uh, you know, I was about 17, 18. I had yeah. just had um, my my first daughter. Okay. Uh, and so I was definitely like uh, just borderline of all of these weird intersections, yeah. um, and had. You know, on one side had all of these real stereotypical things going on in my background. You know, and uh, you know, I was I was I was that 16, 17 year old. You know, Latina mother. You know, just big old belly walking around pregnant. You know. Yeah. And 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 having that experience, and at the same time being like, okay, now how do I start my own business? Right. Um. And and so, very contrasting worlds, very stark contrast in worlds. Um. You know, it was, a, it was certainly a, uh, a challenge and a task to get to a point where I was, uh, you know, making choices that were sustainable, right. and then and then moving in a way with my businesses that were sustainable. Right. Uh, I eventually went into uh, the world of, of branding and marketing and mm. and and videography, and mm. um, and so that's what I do now. I've been doing okay. that for about 11 years. Okay. And that's like. Uh, that's it's, it's been good bread and butter right, for a right. long time for me, mm. um, and so I feel lucky that I got in at a time where, like when I got in, man, the internet was just like just barely, right, right, right. You know, it was just barely taking off. Um, whereas, you know, for a lot of for this next generation, it was like really don't it, they don't know what it's like to be without the internet, right? Like, yeah, definitely. I don't,
1: um,
4: you know, I was part of the generation that built the internet, okay. So it, it was. It, it wasn't luck right and since nothing's ever luck nothing's ever coincidence but it was yeah. definitely the thing that helped me to transition from being that high school dropout teenage mom to uh, you know being sustained successful business owner yeah. you know maintaining family and, and feeding family mm-hmm. um and being able to, you know, hire and, and work within the community.
2: So. Right. That's nice. beautiful. True. Yeah. Big so ups for that. Just a little, just
4: that. little bit of, just clean background on me. Right.
5: Yeah. right. I mean, right. It,
2: but it's surreal, though, because it's like what what a lot of folks need right now is the truth. You know, we, we don't we don't want the, the, the everyday story that just isn't everybody's reality, you know? My mom was 14 when she had me. She was 15 when she had my brother. And my grandma told her, she was like, yo, you can't bring both of those babies mm-hmm. home, you know? So it's like, my brother's out in uh, South Dakota, and, you know, he's in prison right now. So it's mm-hmm. just like, seeing my mom struggle, I very much relate with that struggle, you know? She, she had to make decisions. She had to be a mom. And a lot of people don't understand especially a lot of a, a lot of us men we don't understand what it's like to make that decision of i need to be a mom you yeah. know what i'm saying so i just got infinite respect for you i yeah. truly no, do i appreciate that yeah. sorry
4: you know it's a sacrifice it is you know and and i respect your mother because you know i just i know what it's like to be uh, out there in the world and, and it's kind of like a little bit clueless like right. all right i got these human beings right that are in my care now and what am I supposed to do with these little things? I, you know, it's a lot of it seems like common sense, but, you know, there are just parts and pieces of that that you'll never be able to teach. Right. You know what I mean? It's just right. like either it's there and you learned it through experience with other people or, or you're going to end up teaching yourself mm. some way or another, you know? Okay. And so it's definitely, uh, it's no easy task. Mm. And, um, you know, all the mothers and the fathers for that, I have a lot more people in, in my life now that are like single fathers,
2: right? Right. Which is a
4: you know interesting thing, right? Um, you know, and single and sole fathers, right? Like sole custody. And, okay. Know. Yeah. And so it's it's that's been an interesting shift, but uh, you know the parents in that realm, you know, definitely they got to hold it down in a whole different way, right? You know, it's just really great when you're in a household and you've got two parents and. That kind of support system going back even though they're still struggling that you know and yeah. there's always you know the the flip side of the reality is that you know well then you're dealing with you know marriage or relationship stuff right or, you know home life is just every everybody's got their own stuff that they're gonna go through but true a single parenthood is something else it is
2: <laughs> it is Yeah. yeah bro like that
1: story was intense Yeah, definitely, man. I think getting to chop it up with her a little bit, DJ to DJ, about what we've done was pretty cool for me, too. I think we should check that out.
4: Yeah, it goes right back into that conversation of who validates who, who says what, who, you know... Um, you know I can share with you what kind of some of the things that I experience when I'm out and playing yeah. you know maybe you build off of that and uh, uh, and then we learn through each other's experiences
1: yeah for sure you
4: know but I, I think that music really should you know if, as long as you're there and when you're in control of the music man you're in control of the energy of the room oh, right, yeah, right? Definitely. Uh, and so you, ha- you definitely have like this big responsibility to make sure that people feel high You know, you kind of got to keep that, like, when you talk about creating the vibe, it's like more than a catchphrase. It is. You know what I'm saying? Like, you really want, I mean, I know when I'm up there. My expectation of myself is that people literally feel it in their body
2: right yeah
4: um and so and sometimes i play like that and sometimes i don't
2: yeah. you know
4: what i mean like i've definitely had my off days where i'm like man you should have just put on spotify yeah. <laughs> you know you just mean?
1: put that playlist <laughs> on shuffle and let it ride I had to and yeah. you know
4: and the funny thing is is that even on those days you'll get still get a, some one oh, or two yeah. people that's so like oh like, that you yes. so did and you're like oh my god yeah,
1: and you're like, if you dude, only knew yeah, exactly <laughs> I, 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 if you only knew Doug I was so angry the
3: whole <laughs> right. time right yeah. just mad at yourself
4: DJ, just, <laughs> yeah. just get on the mic and just, just boo yourself <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just
2: yeah. here to- i just boo <laughs> myself <laughs>
0: off the stage right.
4: no but I think that you know like I definitely always go into the, the room with that responsibility of like you know you create the vibe and kind of keep people's energy moving uh, or you let it die and and you got to pick it back up you know yeah definitely Um, and i think that you know i do try to i try to balance out between like playing for there's always these different scenarios right like sometimes you're playing for yourself because you're like this Man, I'm I know I know what I wanna hear today. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll play like that. And okay. then other times you'll really watch the energy of the crowd and be like, all right, uh, let me let me stay in tune with yeah, yeah. what's going well here. Okay. Sometimes
1: I definitely find that like you know, you'll be spinning, and then, like, a few people will dance. And then if you, like, focus on those few people that are, like, the first to dance and get them, like, absolutely crazy, then everyone else is, like, <laughs> they'll yeah! bring everybody else out. Yeah, then exactly. everyone else just, like, they, jumps yeah, in real Yeah, you hard. cater to
4: those three people. Yeah, exactly. Right. They'll bring and then you the got rest the whole of, room. Exactly. the... Yeah. Exactly. I've had so. that exact scenario. Yeah, yeah. happen several... On several occasions. Yeah, I think that you do. You have to watch what people are are vibing to.
1: Yeah, definitely.
4: Um, You know, and then there's that other piece where it's like, as the DJ, you uh, have a responsibility to introduce people to new stuff, right? Right. Oh, yeah. They haven't heard before, and it's not all about playing all the familiar tunes. You know, you want to line up your punchline tunes, and you want to have the thing that you just know is going to tear everything down, and you want to get into that space. And at the same time, it's just like, all right, there's so many artists. There's so much variety out there. There is. Don't ring out the same rag over and over and over again, you know what I mean, until you're dry. Like, it's just way too much talent in the world. I agree. So, like, letting that, you know, kind of guide and influence how you're, you know, keeping your library up. For sure. For me, those are things that are, you know, that I find to be helpful. And that I definitely, like, are always present for me. Yeah.
1: Okay. I think, yeah, I was trying to play myself personally, like, always new music that I find, like, consistently. Always updating the library whatever. But the more music that I have found that I play that people don't know, the more, like, positive feedback I've gotten. They're like, dude, what was that French song? Or what was that, like, what was that sound, dude? Mm -hmm. And it just get that interaction, I love that. you know? I love that yeah. when people come up
4: mm-hmm. and they're like, yo, what was that? Dude, what was that I, one dude. tune? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's yeah. really great is when a DJ comes up to you and is like, oh, yo, yeah. they're what
1: they're was like, that? Dude, that was good. And you're and like,
4: David. oh yeah, I know it was good. Oh yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow, Select to See sounds awesome. Uh That reminds me, I totally interviewed another lady DJ who's super well-known here in Denver, Aaron Stereo. Um... She actually did a DJ workshop here at Youth on Record for Fem Powered not too long ago, which was super interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed what Erin had to say when I asked her how did music change her life.
2: Word. I want to hear a little bit more about that, Mona.
6: I don't remember a time when music wasn't in my life. Um, And I think that I didn't realize what a big part of my life it was until I tried to be a corporate person. And I just kept leaning towards music, leaning towards music until I had to pursue it full time. So I guess music changed my life in that um, I had no other choice but to pursue it.
0: Fantastic. And what about when you were A teenager do you have any memories of a time where like music held you
6: definitely yeah Um, so when I was a teenager I was kind of exploring rave culture and that was something that was really prolific in Denver at the time because there was a lot of space that allowed for it Um, and so raves and things like that Uh, initially I was most interested in dancing and I just wanted to go to dance but that was also the first time that I ever really saw um, turntables being used as instruments and the first time I really saw DJs mixing uh, DJ style mixing you know not just you know Skate City one song here's the next song here's the next song but actual um, DJ style mixing and so um, the fact that I was kind of allowed to see that way before I was 21 years old um, definitely influenced me as a teenager growing up and in my music career later on.
0: That says- So the the community, was that an aspect of... Your experience with the music and that scene? Yes,
6: most definitely. Um, like I said, I was into dancing, especially at first, and it was always kind of about, like, appreciating other people's dancing and then sort of being like, how do you do that? Can you just show me that really quick? And then all of a sudden you're dancing with somebody that you don't really know, um, which is kind of um, creates a bond between you. It's sort of like singing with someone. It just sort of creates this bond um, that you share. And so that was a huge part of... What made me feel included um, was just the community and the the, um, the fact that everyone was so welcoming. And everybody sort of understood that we were all there for the same reason, um, to express and to experiment and things like that. So, yeah. That's so awesome. And you're performing today? I am, yes, at 345 in the ski lodge tent. That's so awesome. I'm excited.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool hearing about older scenes, you know, like 90s scenes, early two thousand music scenes here in Denver. Um, Sean, I'm curious, what was one of the most inspiring interviews that you did?
2: Well, I interviewed this opera singer named Miriam, and we talked a little bit about challenges that artists potentially face. And to me, that was very relatable because you never know who's going to be reliable or helping you achieve your mission. So she gave us some really cool tips, and I think we should listen to what she had to say.
0: Word.
7: Yeah, um, well, in the recording process, it's hard when you don't have funding, you don't have any money, you're just doing it independently. And there's so much desire, and the desire that you have would, you know, you want to move at a fast pace, and I want to do another album, and I want to do it now, and I want to play now, and I want to do this. And so it's it's hard when everything takes way longer than you want it to. Right, right, right. And that can be discouraging when a lot of musicians can be really flaky. Right. And so me not being somebody that's flaky wanting flaky wanting to do it so badly that um and then dealing with people you know bailing on gigs or 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 not showing up to the studio or right. um saying that they'll help and then they don't right and so i think that that's really hard every day you want to keep moving forward and there definitely are there are a lot of setbacks just waiting and especially when you need help when you're an independent artist you know maybe if you You know, with a lot of funding, it it can be easy. But when you don't have that, that's definitely hard.
2: Mm. Uh, You know, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, knowing how funding works, uh, are there are there any recommendations that you might have to some young people in their younger years? You know, going back to that kind of high school age or middle school age. Like, what are some suggestions that you might have for those folks looking to uh, get get to the studio or, you know, figure out their voice?
7: Well, the great thing about the era we live in is that anybody can make an album. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't take a lot of money. It takes definitely determination because it's harder. It's the longer path when you don't have funding, but Mm -hmm. anybody can do it you know, $100, you can get yourself a, you know, two-input Scarlet interface, and, you know, you can get things used, you can, there's, just, get your hands, go to a pawn shop, go, go to Craigslist, there's some okay. great deals, and so you just need a little bit, just a little bit to start, hmm. and so just don't let the idea that you need a fancy studio stop you, because you don't.
3: Where, hmm. where?
1: So Mona, what was the most inspiring interview that you did?
0: Oh, man. I think the most inspiring for me was interviewing a woman named Talisa. The story she shared was very reflective of how important the work we do here at Youth on Record really is. And, I mean, I don't want to spoil the story, but, yeah, we should listen to
5: it. I was in a heavy depression and doing drugs a lot. And... I thought that I had no musical talent. I hadn't really ever dove into music. I've always loved music. I always was um, listening to musicals and um, I was in musical theater, but I never got the lead because I was very shy and not self-confident in myself. And I got into a heavy depression. I was using a lot of drugs and I actually ended up in rehab. And when I was 19 years old, and I had to spend three months in a rehab. And that's where they had a guitar there. And I had been pretty much high or drunk consistently for the last six years of my life. I started when I was thirteen. And it was the longest I'd ever been sober in a long time. In at least in at least three years. And They had a guitar there so I picked it up and I asked the uh, facilitators to print out some chords for me and they did and um, I started just practicing and that's where I wrote my first song and um, yeah it it was a song called miracles and it was about the girls that were in the rehab and myself and um, They actually had a talent show at the end uh, or like towards the end of the time I was going to be there. And it it was a talent show for some of the returning um, people who had successfully gone through the rehab. They were coming to visit to like tell their stories and stuff, you know. And um, I sang the song in front of probably 70 to to 80 people something like that and it felt right and I just started doing music ever since then writing songs and performing and singing and that has kept me from going back to the lifestyle that I once was like you know I think I use drugs as a way of a release and instead now I use music for that release so Yeah, it's definitely changed my life, and the only hope that I have to do with it is to inspire people to also move forward with their dreams, no matter how hard, no matter what happens, you know, no matter how you start off, and no matter when you start off, because it'll always be there, and you know, it's worth it in the end. Wow.
0: What an amazing story. Thank you. Was there an album or a song or an artist during that time that, like, (laughs) got you
5: through it? I got to tell you guys, it was Bob Marley. Three Little Birds. I would sing that song over and over again. And... And it got you through. And it got me through. Wow. Because there was even times when, like, you know, there was no music and... I don't know, my mom had always played that song for me. And, you know, it was her brother's favorite song who had like passed away. And so she she had a real connection to it. And I don't know, it's just, it's a simple song, you know? And everybody knows it, but that's the brilliance of it. Is it's just a simple, repetitive song that you could say over and over again, kind of like a mantra you know, in a way, something that just repetitive and it's a positive message. And it was the only thing that kept me from wanting, to, you know, to not be here anymore.
2: Bob Marley's one of my favorite artists.
5: Yeah, me too.
2: He just, he puts you at a place of uh, just wanting to be a better person, you know, in love. So thank you for sharing that.
0: Yeah, super inspiring. I I feel like that interview stayed with me for, you know, weeks afterwards. I mean, it's still with me. Yeah, it's pretty fun going down memory line.
1: It always is, especially with Bob Marley involved.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been really awesome hearing all of these interviews from that weekend.
1: Yeah, I think they're great.
0: Yeah, fun time. We'll have to do it again sometime soon
1: definitely will
2: shout out to grand doozy
0: shout out grand doozy
2: and youth on record
0: shout out <laughs> my youth on record is proudly brought to you by youth on record a colorado nonprofit organization where local teens are empowered to find their voice and value by working with local musicians as their educators Teens in Youth on Record's programs are working to be both the next generation of creatives as well as community leaders. They do this through music, poetry, and storytelling. My Youth on Record is one of their newest programs. Learn more at www.youthonrecord.org. Don't worry about a thing. ha ha ha.
2: Cause every <laughs> little thing is gonna be alright
0: oh, Don't worry about about a thing. thing
4: Cause every little thing is gonna, gonna be alright